0: We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, HD3, Philadelphia. Odyssey Station. From
1: the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your host. for the Radio Hour. The mortgage mom, Diane Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes,
0: Mark Cumberland.
1: Your real estate education starts right now. It's Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on talk radio. 1210 WPHT I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host my mortgage mom Deanne Kat Sarris how are you Deanne
2: I'm doing fabulous Mark how are you
1: I'm very good and we're very excited to be here every Saturday at one o'clock on Talk Radio 1210 if you want to ask us a question about commercial mortgages residential real estate give us a call my number is 267-266-5501 what's your number Deanne
2: My number is 609-605-7153.
1: We've been here every week for the last 12 years, keeping you informed about real estate because the media will not talk about it because it's all good news. And you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, Good News in Real Estate, and at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today?
2: Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We also have our business tips with Asking Dr. A.,
1: Right, continuing on uh, getting back in the workforce, which I've heard some interesting things today about that.
2: (laughs) Mark, we also have your funny story. Got one for you. We have our mortgage mom topic.
1: Which is?
2: Closing costs. What exactly are they?
1: And I actually got a phone call today with that question, and I sent them to you.
2: (laughs) And I appreciate it, as always. All right. We also have our questions, Mark. How do I buy a cash-only property? And the next question is, what does owner-seller will carry? What does that exactly mean? The next question know. is, what are some mortgage down payment options?
1: Zero down would be good,
2: right? <laughs> the next question is, how to keep emotions out of selling a home? I'm, oh, I'm going to.
1: No. I don't know how you do that.
2: <laughs> I'm going to mute that part when it comes up. Next question is, how do I I set up a rent-to-own situation? That's a good one. And we have our topic of of the day, which is the looming eviction tsunami may never arrive, and that's good news.
1: Yes, I am going to counteract all the negative media.
2: All right, we'll see. But first, Mark, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational
1: quote is, optimism is the fate that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence. So if you don't have any hope or confidence, you're not gonna go anywhere anyway. You're gonna get run over by that train while you're sitting around figuring out what to do.
2: Well, if you don't have any hope or confidence, why are you getting out of bed in the morning?
1: Yeah, really, uh, you probably would (laughs) lay around all day.
2: So where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report.
1: And there is Franks Bell. I love that bell. (laughs) So the city of Brotherly Love, which is the most populated city in the Keystone State and the sixth largest city in the US, we are the fifth largest media market. Once a powerhouse fueled by metal manufacturing textile industry, Philadelphia's main commercial appeal today centers on its regional and national distribution centers. Uh, The city's location and proximity to large transit could lead to becoming the new East Coast new distribution (laughs) distribution hub. Say that real fast. I
2: was just going to (laughs) say. Which
1: is great news for commercial real estate agents. Because, you know, we don't talk about commercial that much, but commercial is banging right now. And the rates are like around four or five. you get a commercial rate at 4% interest rate is exceptionally good that's how good the market is but the media doesn't talk about any of this philadelphia's commercial growth in the 70s one in three workers in philadelphia were employed in manufacturing in the 70s i I was like i remember i was like three or something right yeah okay if you
2: were three i wasn't born yet
1: (laughs) today those numbers have shifted one in six workers are in the industrial sector sector and one in ten are in manufacturing like speaking of students and this sector is the top performing in the city, generating one point three billion in wages annually. The diversification of popular industries translated into greater job opportunities for this dedicated workforce, a key factor in establishing our area in commercial real estate as a hot spot. Meanwhile, Philadelphia has been capitalizing on a rise of e-commerce, meeting the increased demands for transportation and infrastructure thanks in large part to our geographical location. We are sitting right between New York and Washington, D.C. Philly is more affordable, way more affordable than either of those places for businesses advertising lower costs for property development. The average price per square foot commercial in Philly is $74.93, while the average price in New York is eighty-five fifty-six. It's probably even higher than that by now. But in reference in these indicators in the commercial real estate scene, uh, we rebounded really fast with the COVID. The top commercial real estate markets that are expected to outperform the rest of the nation are generally affordable, able to draw new residents with greater flexibility to work from home. Between its physical location, affordability and promise of employment options, Philly's commercial real estate scene is posed to flourish this year and beyond. So that's all good news.
2: Yeah, it is all good news. But you know what? When you talk to other people, you know, people are gonna be working remotely, all these commercial buildings are gonna be shutting down. I mean on and on and on.
1: I don't think so. That's all the doom and gloomers. Well that's what I'm saying. What's appealing about Philly? The location, accessibility, quality of the workforce, available job sites are all all offered here in Philly. It's a prime spot for workers and companies alike as opportunities abound. How we stack up in terms of logistics and distribution, calling attention to the city's current success and growing potential as a major distribution hub. Philadelphia's population has increased 2% since 2010. That's what a millennials moving in. The greater Philadelphia region pro- produces more than $410 billion in GDP, gross annual. And there's 14 million square foot of industrial space available in our area to develop to meet the demand for this. So we are, like, commercially in a really good position. So it's all good news. Now, the one thing that could help here is our city government and some of the county governments. If they would cut the red tape and cut back business regulations and some business taxes, they could really take advantage of this. But, you know, we got we have, like, the Philadelphia Port. They're breaking ground again to meet the distribution needs. They're adding another 200 square foot of flexible food-grade storage. So the outlook for 2021... They're looking now, they're looking office space because of the transition. They, they think those prices are gonna decline five to 10%, but they're still gonna be, we don't know how that's all gonna pan out, this transition back to office space. But according to the National Association of Realtors, these portfolios of at least 2.5 million fell 28% over year over year in the first quarter of 21, and now things are even getting better. So, over time, with the right conditions and affordable commercial real estate, Philly could really take off faster than most of the other cities. But our local government should take this into consideration and cut some business taxes, cut some regulations, don't make it so difficult to get, like, a a simple project to take a year to get approved.
2: Which is why you should have ran.
1: But, you know, hopefully down the road... They'll come to their senses. Now, they didn't do anything in this year's budget. They just passed it again. But all in all, we are in good shape. Tell us about the rates.
2: Speaking of good shape, 30-year fixed rate, 2.875. Your 15-year is 2.375. Your 30-year FHA mark is 2.875. And again, don't forget this depends on what your credit score is, how much you're putting down. But these rates are phenomenal. It is not too late to refinance. Call me, 609-605-7153. Go to my website, mortgagemom.net. Check it out. It's time to refi.
1: I'm hoping the greatest accountant in the world, Mr. Devlin, Don Devlin, is listening. So with that, you are listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time.
0: We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying good news in real estate with Diane Casares and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, not here for our profit, here for yours.
1: All right, so welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. So we at the end.
2: Mark, we're up to your funny story. All right, I got one for you.
1: So this couple, right, they're going on vacation, but his wife's on a business trip, so he went to the date destination first, and the wife would meet him there the next day. When he reached the hotel, he decided to send his wife a quick email. Unfortunately, when he was typing the her address in, he mistyped the letter, and the note was directed instead to an elderly preacher's wife, whose husband had just passed away, only the day before when the grieving widow checked her email she took one look at the monitor and let out this piercing scream and fell to the floor in a dead faint at the sound the family rushed into the room saw the note on the screen and it said dearest wife just checked in everything's prepared for your arrival tomorrow p.s it sure is hot down here
2: oh my god (laughs)
1: So be careful when you send p to email when you're away. <laughs>
2: oh, my God. That's so great. That was, that was a good one. All right. If, so. If you, if you have a funny story, you can send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5501.
1: So now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with Deanne Kat Cyrus from Green Tree Mortgage. And her topic is, what exactly is closing costs?
2: This is a really big topic, and it's a very confusing topic as well, Mark, because a lot of people don't understand exactly what make up closing costs. Nope. And people get it confused when we, even when we send out an estimate, people are confused as to what is the down payment, what is actually the closing cost. So I just want to break it down a little bit so everybody understands. And I know that one of your questions was, what are my loan down payment options? So I want to go into that. So for instance, let's just say that we are purchasing, we're purchasing a home and it's with an FHA loan. Right. And we know with an FHA loan that the minimum down payment required is going to be three and a half percent, correct?
1: We know that, yes. But the rest of the country (laughs) thinks it's 20%.
2: Oh my God. I just had somebody ask me that today. They, I had a whole
1: class of students the other day. I was in there, and they were like, 20%,
2: well, 30%. You, so you're going to have to bring me in on that class so that I can help people understand. But It's
1: the biggest myth out there.
2: It is the biggest myth. And somebody that I pre-approved said, well, I can't do that because I can't put 20% down. Anyway. Right. So again, with a conventional loan, if you're a first-time home buyer, the minimum down payment can be as little as 3%. Right. If you're not a first-time home buyer, it's going to be 5%. So let's keep the numbers simple, and let's just say that we're going to purchase. Why can't we stay at 3%? Well, not everybody's a first-time homebuyer.
1: Yeah, but even if I'm buying my second home, why can't I get a 3% conventional loan?
2: Because you can't make up the guidelines to suit your needs. That's why. Because if you're going to, first of all, if you own a home and you're purchasing a second home, that's... No.
1: I sold my house and I'm buying another house. I you have 3 percent Right?
2: Yeah, you have to be um, you have to have not owned a home within the last 3 years. What? That's first time. The, home. Look, are you going to you can't hijack my my topic. All right, we need to go over closing costs. Go and ahead. what people need to understand is exactly what makes up your closing costs. All right. When people get um, go to contract, we generally will send them what's called a cost estimate. And this cost estimate breaks everything down from them. How much the down payment is, what the interest rate is, what the APR is, what the loan to value is, and what product it is. Right. So basically, when you have closing costs, you have things like an appraisal, which generally runs about $450 for a single home and $695 for a duplex or a multi-family. We're also going to need to run your credit report and that's going to run anywhere from $30 to $50 depending if we we have to update it or not. All You're right. also going to have a $9 flood certification and that flood certification mark is basically letting is it's done through FEMA, and it's verifying that your property is not located in a flood zone. And that generally runs about $9. Then you're going to have your title insurance, which are going to be things like title endorsement fee, carrier fee, a closing protection letter, uh, lender's title, insurance, owner's title. All of this, plus your recording fee, all of this is being ordered by your realtor, or you can order through whomever title company you wish to use, but this is ensuring that the property is free and clear of any liens or judgments, which means no one can knock on your door and say that the sellers owe them money, right? That, that way you're right. going to contact the title company directly.
1: Right. You want to make sure there's nothing on there.
2: Right. We also have what's called um, a transfer tax. So in Philadelphia, the transfer tax is going to be 2.139% of whatever the sale price is.
1: Which is ridiculous.
2: And each side pays that. (laughs) If it's outside of Philadelphia, then that number's going to be 1%. Right. So we're also going to have interest. We pay daily interest. So let's say we were closing a loan today. We would have interest from today till the end of the month. So no mortgage payment in the month of August. No mortgage payment in the month of September. Our first mortgage payment would be due October 1st. When they you make
1: ask, technically, you pay your mortgage daily, correct?
2: Well, what happens is you're paying, you're paying that money up front. So when you make October's payment, you're paying September's interest. Right. You're always a month behind in interest. Right. We're also going to pay your homeowner's insurance for one year up front. So right. we're going to collect twelve months of your homeowner's policy. So, for instance, if the policy seventy five dollars a month, we're going to collect nine hundred dollars. And we're going to pay your mortgage insurance up front, your homeowner's insurance rather. The other thing is we're also (laughs) going to start an escrow account. And that escrow account has your taxes and your homeowner's insurance. So every time you make a payment, your taxes and your homeowner's insurance goes into that account. When the taxes come due, the mortgage company goes in and pays your real estate taxes, whether it's quarterly, three times a year. Um, one time a year, depending on what county that you're living in. All right. So keep in mind, your closing costs can be anywhere from 5 to 6% of whatever the sales price is, depending on what county you're living in. Because right. inside Philadelphia, you're paying 2.139%. Outside of Philadelphia, you're paying 1%. On transfer tax. On the transfer tax, correct. And that makes a big difference, as well as how much the taxes are. So if your taxes are $10,000 a year versus $5,000 a year, again, that's going to make a big difference in your closing costs. Right. The other thing that you want to keep in mind is your home inspection, right? The home inspection gets paid outside of closing, and that can run about $495.
1: And you pay that- As you meet the home inspector.
2: Correct. The home inspector will give you the report once you've paid the money. Now, any earnest money deposit that you've given, let's say you're purchasing the home and you give a $3,000 earnest money deposit, that money will be subtracted from what's owed at settlement. Right. So those are the main factors that go into making up your closing costs. There are extra things such as Um, whether or not you want to get a survey, whether or not you had termite, whether or not you had radon. So all of those things play a part in your closing costs as well.
1: Yeah. And the The, thing buyers want to know is how much do I got to put down and how much cash do I need? That's the two uh, big, and how much it is a month.
2: Right. And what's my monthly payment? Correct. And those are the things that you don't want to go shopping until you get a cost estimate. Because people say, you know, I want to get pre-approved for a $300,000 home, and I'll ask them, well, what does that look like to you as far as a monthly payment? And they're like, probably around $1,100, and they're generally way off. So you want to make sure you get a cost estimate before you go shopping so you know exactly how much money you need for settlement.
1: Yeah, plus you want to know, like what I do with you is I tell you to approve them as high as they go, can go. And then we figure out what that monthly payment is, and then we shop from there down.
2: Right. And we want we to always, get a comfort we, level. I mean,
1: yeah, and we always know. So if they're approved for two hundred and fifty, but they don't want to spend that much, right? Because they want to be at eleven hundred a month, then we, we got to scale go, back. We scale back.
2: Correct. All right. So I coming up next,
1: I, I still don't get the one part though. If I sell my house and I buy a new house,
2: all right. So why, coming why up can't next- I get three <laughs> percent? I Because it's called a guideline, Mark. Yeah, I
1: never get invited to them damn meetings. It's ridiculous.
2: Coming (laughs) up next is going to be our question and answer segment.
1: I got a question for you,
2: (laughs) and I'm not answering it. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate, all positive, all the time. We'll We'll be be right right back. Right (laughs) back.
0: Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate
1: here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. So where are we at, Deanne?
2: Mark, we are up to our question and answer segment. And I'm going to be reading the questions, you're not going to be interjecting <laughs> one. And the first question is, how do I buy a cash-only property?
1: You know, this actually sounds really simple. You know, you bring your cash. I actually, over, over my career a couple of times back in the early 2000s, had people actually show up with brown paper bags full of cash, which title companies don't want you to do. Like, they, did you bring a check? No, I brought the, I brought, I brought the cash. <laughs> And a big brown paper bag full of 100 dollar bills.
2: That happened to cash- Pete when when he sold his investment property. He had to go out in the guy's car and count the money. It was it was in a brown it's paper ridiculous.
1: bag. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Anyway, they don't want a cash. They don't want cash. They want a check, a cashier's check. But when you do buy a cash only property, what you're going to do is you're going to write the offer up you're going to tell them that you got the cash and then you're going to show them some bank statements or something to prove that you have that cash available and then you do whatever you do you get a if you're if it's cash only you might get a home inspection you should always get a home inspection i think and you definitely always get a termite inspection no matter what they there's cheap enough you always get one and then you write the deal and then you go to your bank And you get a cashier's check made out to the title company. And that's a cash-only deal. But in the end, it's a check. Do not bring a bag of cash. (laughs) It's a little dangerous, too, you know? You don't want to stop for gas and leave the cash in and go in the sewer and come back out And the cash is gone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, question number two. What does owner-seller will carry
1: mean? Now, this is a good question because... This can be a problem solver. Say there's a buyer that knows a seller. and But the buyer, and they're, and they're good friends, the buyer has good credit, uh, but at the moment, he might not be able to get a mortgage because he has a couple credit issues or whatever. But he wants to buy this house. And the seller's cool with that because they already got another place. So the seller says, you know what? Or uh, this the, the buyer has a smart agent. Uh, like me, <laughs> somebody that's been around the, uh, the the path a few times, and I say to the seller, Mister Seller, why don't you be the bank? And then usually get their eyes get big and they stare at you and they go, "What do you mean?" And I said, "You could be the bank." I said, "We get it to title company to create a mortgage and a note and everything else, and it could work a couple different ways." Now this buyer starts next month, moves in and makes his first payment to the seller. Now, there could be an option in here that some of that money that he's paying the seller every month goes toward the purchase or not. That's all negotiable. But this is what people call, uh, how the brokers advertise, rent to buy. This is what this is. But it's actually a, a lease purchase. So you're actually leasing the property and then purchasing and or you the seller is selling to you and they're the bank. The seller doesn't have financial problems and rather than get, say it's 200 grand, he gets a check from the mortgage company for 200 grand at that moment. He gets a payment monthly and he has income coming in for a long time if they want or it gets to a certain point and then the buyer gets a mortgage and buys them out there's many ways this could go but like i just i i just had a commercial situation like this where i talked to a bar owner and i know the buyer the guy that wants to buy the bar and i know the guy that wants to sell the bar and i said to him why don't you be the bank and he gave me a look like but i want all the money i said but you're going to get the money i said you need all the money now he goes well you know i might not be around forever, I said, yeah, I know that, but like, maybe you carried a note for a few years, and then he buys you out, but you got monthly income coming from it, so then it started making sense to him. But in the end, to answer the question, the seller is the bank, and this can be done real quickly. And in fact, I could order title, have this set up, and done in a week. And because. No money has to change hands. There's no big down payment. There's none of that. There could be inspections if they want, but you could do this really quickly.
2: And you and can I've also done, get it recorded. I mean, you can
3: prepare a right, note and can have You let the, the title
1: done. company take care of all that. Right. And they can create the note and the mortgage and everything else for you and give you a, a what do you call it, the sheet for 30 years, and they can do all that for you. But uh, you could do this in like a week or so it's just sometimes people don't think about it like i personally was going to buy one from somebody i was running from and i said why don't you be the bank and they were like very confused about this then once i explained it to them they said you could do this i said yeah i said what's the difference you're not you're in great financial shape you don't need the 200 grand right now i said and you're going to have monthly income coming every month and then they were like oh all right and then (laughs) And then you go to a title company and you get it done. What's the next one?
2: The next question is, what are some... Oh, God. What are some mortgage down payment options? (laughs) Oh, I want 3%. i will be happy to answer this. We'll mute your mic, and I'll be happy to answer this. We've
1: got to do it fast. Give us some options.
2: Some down payment options, depending on the loan, but you can have down payment assistance from a nonprofit organization. You can do a VA loan with 100% financing, a USDA, 100% financing. You can also get a gift from a relative four-year down payment as well um and you can get a grant there's county grants that are available Um, and seller
1: assist but not it's going to be tough in this market
2: yeah the seller assist is going to be tough but you know i need to be a little bit more specific so if you want to give me a call i'll be happy to go over those options with you um in more detail
1: all right what's the next one
2: the next question is how do i set up a rent to own situation yes i did skip the emotional one
1: Oh, well, how come you're skipping the emotion one?
2: Because we only have one minute left, and I figured it'd be important uh, to do
1: When Well, a rent to own situation, we kind of just answered because that's basically uh, the seller doing a lease purchase option. So we did answer that question. So, what's the
2: other one? How to keep emotions out of selling a home.
1: And this is tough. This is like, you know, Dr. Abelson stuff, the personality stuff. You know, the D's and the I's are like, ah, oh, it's a house. I don't care. I'm moving, you know. And the S's and C's are like, you. but I love my house. I don't want to move. Oh, my God.
2: Oh, my God. That was good. That was like, good.
1: <laughs> it's, you know, some people get attached and, you know, this is traumatic. And then they move into the next house and like, forget about all that stuff. And that's like all the settlements. They all get all stressed out. They get to the table. The keys slide across the table. They get the, they shake hands, leave, and they forget about all the other stress they had during this whole pending thing.
2: That's not true I- because on Friday I had a closing, and the woman was it was in her house for forty seven years, and she cried the entire time during closing.
1: Yeah, well, some people see near me, it's a house. It's like, to me, it would be like a truck or something. I'd be like, I went out of here <laughs> to be a... Uh,
2: well, you're not emotional I, about I, anything I, I anyway, so... Lo-
1: I would not be looking back.
2: I know. <laughs> All right. Good questions, right. Mark. Coming right. up next is going to be our topic of the day. The looming evictions tsunami may never arrive. And that's the good news.
1: That is good news. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. We'll be
0: right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right,
1: welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio at 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. So, where are we at, Dan, on this beautiful Saturday afternoon?
2: We are up to our topic of the day.
1: Now, this topic the looming eviction tsunami may never arrive, and that's the good news. I might have to do this in two parts because I got like a ton of information counteracting the negative media. Because they are just on this, on this, on this about the evictions coming and the forbearance and the foreclosures, and I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. The possibility of millions of families sent into homelessness amidst this weak economy and pandemic is unquestionably an absolute hor- horrific scenario. But I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. Reporters, reporters, and policymakers have latched onto this story. As the next gen- American crisis, often phrases like the eviction to, uh, to Sami or whatever, <laughs> wave of evictions, right. as it's all a foregone conclusion. And I found out when I was doing some research that where they're getting this information is from an FHA study that only their, uh, their, their group that they looked at was only made up of 75,000 people. That's it. So that was it. So I looked at a few other reports. Now, evictions will occur once they're allowed, but it's not going to be like many. Like I told the students this week, they were talking about that reporter that came on and said, 14% of the renters are behind on their rent in the country. Yeah, well, that means 86% of them are on time. Right. And out of the 14%, most of them are only two months behind, and they're all catching down. And that number's probably, realistically, between 3 and 5%. I said it. Okay. And I'm telling you, I, the, the financial distress, there's some real, you know, there's going to be some people that are going to be in trouble, but there's also people in trouble all the time. But in, in usual markets, like back in 18 and 19, prior to all this mess, but- just because they get they don't pay their rent. They don't pay their mortgage. They get in trouble. You know? They'd rather go out partying. And they don't may have a monthly budget. But there's ten reasons why this tidal wave of evictions is unlikely. This tsunami that they keep saying. I hate it. That one and the insurrection I am so tired of. I like I keep picturing the insurrection of uh, movies about uh, what was it with the religion back in the 14th century what did they call that when they to burned you and uh, the, the, what was that called the what Inquisition called? the oh, Inqui- Inquisition <laughs> the Inquisition anyway another study by the Aspen Institute uh, said that 19 to 23 million were one in five of 110 million Americans who live in rental households are at risk of, sub- uh, of eviction by they said September of 2020. If you start digging deeper into that conclusion it was based on an assumed rent or unemployment rate of 25 to 30%. That did not happen.
2: That didn't happen, We did right.
1: not get to 25 or 30% unemployment rate. The actual employment rate in June was down to like 10, 11%. And it's going down every month because people are starting to get back in the workforce as soon as they start cutting off that extra 300 hours a week in like 35 states. Of course, higher unemployment would certainly cause more challenges, no debate. But the, during the big financial crisis of 2007 two, uh, to nine, that was when a percentage point increase in the unemployment rates, uh, rate forces were about 21,500 people and they sent people into homelessness. That was a bad market. Apartment renters are now at near normal levels or lower than they were in 18 and 19. So all this this, uh, uh, doom and gloom about extending the eviction rate, 95.9% of the uh, apartment rentals across the state are on time. It's only the one point over year over year. I got right. like a ton of information. I on know, this. and I, you're gonna I, I,
2: before you get on a rant, we're gonna have to do part two. All
1: right, I only touched this. I only scratched the surface of that one.
2: And coming up next is going to be our business segment with asking Doctor A. The topic all is right. reengaging into the workforce and how is their productivity.
1: Hi, Doctor Abelson. How are you?
2: I'm doing
3: terrific. How are you guys? We're I good. Talked thank about you. you
1: a lot this week because uh, we're. I had a couple different discussions with different business people about this reengaging into the workforce. And we talked about last week about the CEOs, the ones that micromanage and the ones that don't micromanage. And then me and Dan were talking about, we heard a study about people willing that 30% of the people that are since the virus would rather work from home. And some of them are willing to take a 5% pay cut to work from home. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've seen data that suggests as, as high as 70% of the people, you know, prefer to work at home. So they'd like at the least A uh, a hybrid type of approach where they come into work some days and and stay at home, you know, other days. So there's definitely a movement. So COVID has really had a significant impact, not just on last year regarding the workforce, but it's actually had a significant impact on the culture. Now, if you want to look at it, especially with what's happening with the infrastructure throughout the U.S., in most large cities, it takes you a while to get to work, Uh, and and fewer and fewer people are actually living right where they work because they buy a home or they're leasing something, and then they change. Their jobs, okay. So, so what what happens is, is people are are moving around, and it doesn't surprise me that people are willing to take a five percent pay cut because in a lot of cases it costs them more than that to get to and from work. Additionally, right. when Over they the go year. to work, right. they're right. gonna to have to pay for meals while they're there, you know, and, and all those types of things that are also more expensive. And, and for most of them, unless they're executives, those meals aren't tax deductible. And even if they are tax deductible, it's only at the 50% level. So there's, there's all kinds of reasons why, it's, uh, why people are feeling their way. Now, the important thing to me, okay, as somebody who's, you know, studied psychology and, and helps organizations build teams and, and deal with different issues, is whether they're staying at home or whether they're at work and whether you're trying to get them to come to work physically or not, the, the bottom line is always the same. It's engagement. You need, to be, you need to have them engaged because a lot of times people come to work and they're not even engaged when they're in work. And a lot of studies demonstrate that because people feel alienated and they feel other types of uh, dislocations even when they're physically in work. So it always comes back to the same thing. What can you do? to get people to be open and wanting to work with their colleagues, whether those colleagues happen to be people who are at similar jobs or jobs at the same bureaucratic level as them, or people who they report to, or people who report to them. So the, the nice thing, the good thing is, whether they're working at home or they're working at work itself, we need to figure out how to m- more effectively engage them to keep them active and being happy and satisfied where they are physically.
1: I'm really curious of how the productivity is going to pan out in the rest of 2021 into 2022.
3: I think what we need to do is, is get back to talking about how we can re-engage and engage people in a way that doesn't cost money, especially uh, you know in, in, this, in this time period where we're going to be seeing a whole bunch of people who are expecting a lot more money, uh, especially at the lower ends of the pay scale. All right. All right. So that right, would be well, great. We're we'll going to have next. to
1: continue that.
3: Okay, And if people want to contact us, because we have ways of doing that right now, all they have to do is contact me at dr.aid at Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N dot net.
2: Thank you, Dr. A.
1: Dr. Abelson is the guy to talk to to get your company up to speed.
2: Thanks, Mark. All right. All right. If you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can email me at dnkatsaris at comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153.
1: And she'll get you a 3% down loan. I guarantee it. (laughs) And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every week and helping us stay on the air. And we're here every Saturday at one o'clock. I hope you tune in every week. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland.
2: I'm Deanne Kitaris, your mortgage mom.
1: You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio twelve ten, WPHT, the
0: top station in the city.
2: All, all positive
0: positive
2: all the
1: all time.
0: All the time.